this episode of Tom Said What, we are going to examine storytelling as a way of teaching. I tell a lot of stories in my classroom and um, to teach music, and to be honest, sometimes the lessons aren't just about music, they're about life in general. So, sit back, relax, and let's enjoy some more Tom Said What? Hello and welcome. Those of you who have not listened to some of my other episodes, my name is Tom Zedlack. I am a music teacher in suburban Chicago. And one of the things that I've come to learn about teaching is that a lot of teaching is done through storytelling. Uh, students tend to engage with stories more than they just simply engage with, you know, factual texts and things like that. And at the heart of the matter is being able to tell stories well. Some of the best teachers I've ever met are some of the best storytellers. I tell a lot of stories in my music classroom. Most of them help reinforce different musical lessons, though sometimes the point isn't actually about music. It's about different life lessons that students will probably have to learn and we examine it through the lens of music but I really want them to engage in both these stories as life lessons and as lessons about music. Find them to engage with music in a meaningful way. And by meaningful I mean more than just using it as background when they study or as a soundtrack to their latest attempt at being too grown up or the you know opportunity for their latest TikTok or something like that. I want them to understand that music has so much more dimension to it and that music has so much more depth including things that aren't necessarily music. Also, a lot of people feel that music is just meant for like financial gain like a lot of people just see hey I want to be a rapper because I want all of the benefits of earning all that money for what I do and that the only benefit to music is financial when there are so many others anyway I tell a lot of stories in my classes uh, I have a couple that I've picked out that I would like to share with you and I'd like to also talk about the deeper meaning to some of these stories and the reason I tell them in my class. Now, most of these are in different grade levels, so students don't hear the same stories more than once, although I feel like if they hear it repeated, it won't hurt them. So let's get started. 
This is a story I tell every year to the seventh graders. The seventh graders do a unit on music history, so they learn about all the different major composers of the past. And this one is about one of my favorite composers, Beethoven. The one thing that most people know about Beethoven, if they even know that he was a person and not a dog that had several movies about him, um, is that he went deaf. He lost his hearing. Now, many people do not know that he never actually went fully deaf. He did lose a lot of his hearing, like he was almost completely deaf, but he would still, if we were to put a percentage on it, he would still probably have maybe about 10% of his hearing left um, by the time he passed away. Now, the story that I know about Beethoven goes a little bit like this. So, he was getting a little bit older and his hearing was like really really bad to the point that he could no longer conduct the orchestra he could no longer lead the orchestra and he had just finished writing what a lot of people will consider as possibly his greatest symphony and that was his symphony number nine um, his final symphony and he wasn't able to conduct the premiere of that symphony so he picked out one of his students um, for the honor and then he went and sat in the front row for the performance so he was sitting in the front row he was watching his student who was conducting and he was watching the orchestra watching the instrumentalists and following along with the music as best he could and watching all this stuff and if you are familiar with Beethoven's Ninth Symphony it is a grand performance it is extended and it has a choir added to it and soloists and there is a lot going on in that particular symphony but it is most famous for a melody that happens in the finale to this particular symphony and that melody is known as Ode to Joy. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Ode to Joy it goes like major melody it's used um, even to this day uh, my piano students most of them learn to play an excerpt from it because that melody has just gone on to be so popular Anyway, the performance is a major success. People love the piece and its conclusion, and at the end, once the final note rings out, the entire audience rises to their feet with just, like, tremendous applause, like a standing ovation for the ages. And Beethoven hears none of it. He's sitting in that front row, staring at the musicians on stage who've just performed arguably one of the premiere of one of his greatest pieces and he's just sitting there because he doesn't hear the amazing um, ovation that is being given to him from this great work and it's the conclusion of his premiere performance and it takes his student the conductor to motion to him to stand up and turn around and see the people just applauding his work and i like that story because not only does it allow me to introduce my students to beethoven 
which I think is essential. I think if you don't know who Beethoven is, you have not learned enough about music. But it shows that what we focus on can make us miss some of the really important things. If Beethoven wasn't so focused on the musicians on stage, he would have seen those hundreds of people at the performance rise to their feet and cheer for his work. So if we're focused on the wrong things, then we're never going to get where we need to be. So I use that both, again, as a music teaching lesson and also as kind of a life lesson. What are you focused on? What do you have on your plate that makes it so you might not see something that is for your benefit out there? Like I said, I tell that one to the seventh graders every year. I love telling that story. It's, it's one of my favorites. Let's move on to a story I tell my eighth graders every year. Now, the eighth graders, the curriculum that I teach them is based around genres of music. They learn about several different genres of music, including jazz and blues. Uh, we also have a unit on rock music, and there's one day that I devote to rap music because, you know, they need to know the history of it, and I never even touch anything from the last four decades. Um, I pretty much just stop in the 1980s because that's stuff they don't know. Although I probably should add the 90s onto that because most of them are probably completely ignorant of that as well. But anyways, this story comes from the blues unit, okay? I teach them a 12-bar blues pattern. I teach them the way that blues music is created, but I also teach them about some specific blues musicians. And one of the greatest blues musicians of all time, for my money, is B.B. King. B.B. King, one of the interesting facts about him is that he named all of his guitars Lucille. Now, the story that I always tell them is about why all of his guitars are named Lucille. Um, uh, to be honest, this is the story that's been passed down to me, so I'm not entirely sure if it's like completely true or not. I've looked it up on a couple of occasions, and I don't see anything that disproves what I tell the students. So I use this story, and I still teach it because I want the students to understand this. Anyway, here's the story. B.B. King was just starting out as a musician, and he was willing to play at pretty much any place that would pay him to perform. Well, one place that he was performing at was a very ramshackle, and it called itself a blues club when, realistically, in fact, it was pretty much just an empty old barn with very limited electricity and no working heating system. So, ladies and gentlemen, what ended up happening is that in the middle of this old barn, in order to provide some light and some heat, they had this big barrel of kerosene, like a 55-gallon drum of kerosene. And they'd taken the top off of the lid, um, and they'd taken and they'd lit the kerosene. Now you might think, oh no, that's a giant barrel of kerosene that's going to explode. That's a really terrible idea. But 
The science behind it is that the only part of it that burns, the only part of it that will burn, is the part that's exposed to the air. So the top layer of the gas, the top layer of the kerosene, is the only thing that's going to continue to burn. And so they have this big old barrel of kerosene with just the top layer burning and providing light and heat to the club. That is super important foreshadowing. You'll find out in a second. Anyways, BB King is playing and eventually he takes a break between sets, okay? So he's been playing for a little bit. He takes a break, he leaves his guitar on stage and he goes outside to get some fresh air and to cool off and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, while he was outside, Two gentlemen, and I'm going to use that term just a little bit loosely, two gentlemen in the um, club start having an argument. And eventually that argument spills over into a fist fight. Well, that fist fight then causes the big old barrel of kerosene, of flammable gas, to get knocked over. And the whole place catches on fire. So, BB um, King's outside, he's taking a break, and the next thing he notices, he hears a commotion, people running out, screaming, probably from this now burning barn. Well, remember what I said about the fact that he left his guitar on stage? Well, that was the only guitar he had at the time, and he was using it to help make money. So, he was not willing to let that guitar go. So he does what I tell my students you should never, ever do. And he runs back in, well, not back into, but he runs into a burning building. Not a very smart idea, ladies and gentlemen. I do not recommend it. Um, I mean, if you're a firefighter and it's your job, you've kind of got some capital there. But um, yeah, it, just as a regular everyday person, definitely do not recommend running into a uh, burning building. Now, he was young and pretty lucky um, because he gets in, gets his guitar, and gets out pretty much without incident. And so he saves his guitar and moves on with his life. But he did ask when he found out like why the place started burning down about these two gentlemen fighting. He asked what were they fighting about? Well, it ends up they were fighting about a woman. And that woman's name, Lucille. And so from then on, to honor that moment in his life, he goes on to name all of his guitars Lucille from then on. I love telling that story to my students. Some of them get really, really into that. In fact, many of them guess the ending before I even get there. But I love it when you, they do, because you know what? That means that they've got some good critical thinking skills. A lot of people think music is all about just, okay, here's the note, play the note, or here's the um, rhythm, play the rhythm, or, or we gotta identify, okay, this sounds like blues music or whatever. But all of that, ladies and gentlemen, needs to have creative and critical thinking skills. As a music teacher, I feel like a lot of my job is teaching that critical thinking skills, teaching those creative thinking skills. 
and being able to understand the world in a creative way. When they're not thinking with those creative skills, those creative thinking skills, they're not going to be able to get out to the end of the story. They're not going to be able to understand, like, why are we being told this story? Why does this even matter? And so, again, if students aren't being creative with music, it's just background or it's just something that's out there and not something that's meaningful to their lives. I always want students to find a way to make things meaningful. And when they're not engaged or when they're not thinking critically or creatively, it just doesn't matter. I really sincerely hope that these stories helped spark maybe something in your brain. Maybe understanding that musicians and people from the past they have interesting stories. They have everyday common stories, but then they have those amazing moments. Everyone has those little amazing moments in their lives that help steer them in different directions. For many of you who maybe listened to the very first episode of this podcast, if you haven't, I highly recommend it. Go back and listen to that very first episode of this podcast. I tell a story about why I am a music teacher, about Benny Goodman and um, playing the clarinet and the story with my uh, grandmother and grandfather and and all that kind of stuff. But uh, it's those little moments that have those big impacts on all of us. I highly recommend you go back and listen to that if you haven't. Anyway, I thank you for listening I hope that, again, I've inspired you in some way. Maybe think about the storytelling in your life. Think about your grandparents' stories, your parents' stories, your aunts' and uncles' stories, your your cousins, your friends' stories. What do those stories say about them? And what does your story say about you? I really hope um, you will let me know. I look forward to your feedback. Reach out on Twitter, please. That's at Tom Said What. It's at T-O-M-S-E-D-W-H-A-T. And let me know, what are those stories in your life that you love to teach or love to tell? And then they teach a story. They teach a lesson. Have a great day. I'll talk to you next time. Rant incoming. I repeat, there is a rant incoming. Okay, so this is a new segment, ladies and gentlemen, that I talked about doing a little bit ago, but never actually decided to do. So now I actually have... Uh, the opportunity and I'm going to do this so uh, I figured it was a great time to introduce it in this particular episode because it ran a little bit shorter than I typically like them to be so here is your rant for this month 
As many of you probably know, I have a second job where I deliver pizzas on the weekends to make a little bit of extra cash as a teacher. So, my rant is this. If you have ordered food from anywhere, it doesn't have to be a pizza place, it doesn't have to be from me, but if you've ordered food from anywhere and you have used a card of any kind, a debit card or a credit card, when the person comes to deliver your food, they should be asking for a signature. I ask for a signature every single time. Now, you sign on my phone, it is an electronic copy, you don't even need to have a pen or something to write with, all you need is your finger. If you have ordered from a with a card, paid with a card, be ready for the need to sign for your food. Do not send your underage children to pick up the food thinking it's going to be fine because I am going to ask whoever comes to the door for a signature. And the 12 year old you just sent to pick up the pizza has no idea what's going on. If you are the adult and you ordered the food, be ready to accept it when the person gets there. Thank you. Rant over. Have a wonderful day. Have a wonderful month until I speak to you again. Bye.